Our cats are about to go crazy. Crazy for you. <laughs> Hello, everybody. It's the Mr. Diaries. My name is Jordan. My name is... I can't get over that. <laughs> Anyways, my name is Brooke. Welcome back to our True Crime and Paranormal Podcast. As you know, we talk about gruesome murders and some spooky shit. Spooky shit. Yeah. (laughs) Let's get started, you spooky bitches. Cue intro. to start on this what we what we talking about her we talking about aliens aliens i have to have i have to ask you one question yes do you believe in aliens one hundred thousand percent do okay call me a freak but i do (laughs) oh my god that sounded like an animated character and like do i do if you Okay, I'm going to get right into it. Okay. On October 11th, 1973, Charles Hick- Hickson, I always... Charles. <laughs> Charles. Charles. <laughs> we love a name, Charles. <laughs> okay. Charles and Caroline <laughs> Parker. Oh, my God. Keep it together, Jordan. On October 11th, 1973, Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker decided to go fishing on the pack i'm gonna completely botch this when do we not when do we not when do we not on the paxagula river both men said they heard a piercing sound and saw a large ufo hovering above them what would you do like Mm. just jump would you i mean it goes by it goes by so fast it goes by like three four seconds yeah it goes you like jumping in the water and they're like (laughs) Bringing me up at the freaking <laughs> cylinder thing. You get me? <laughs> I got you. <laughs> okay. Charlie was a foreman at F.B. Walker in Sun's Shipyard and hired Calvin Parker, who was 18 at the time, whose father was Hickson's longtime friend. Ooh, we love longtime friends. We don't have any longtime friends. <laughs> Their families shared meals when Parker was growing up, and Parker, who was a welder, had just come down from Jones County for a job. And he agreed to rent a, mer- a room from Charlie and his wife at their apartment in Gautier. Gautier. Making Charlie both his boss and his landlord. Their friends? Yeah. Should? Yeah. That sounds like a mess. Not really. <laughs> it's not really a mess, but... Okay. Anyways. Charlie was a Korean War veteran who had experienced battles, and Parker was a reserved and shy teenager who respected his elders but thought for himself. Parker wanted to make extra money before he married a Jones County girl. He had been on the job with Charlie only one day when this happens. Seriously, one day? Be like, really? Yeah, be like, this shit. (laughs) My first day? (laughs) They were both devoted fishermen, but they disagreed on where they were started to fish that night. (laughs) They left work at 5 p.m., retrieved Charlie's fishing equipment, and got here and headed to the river. Charlie said they started at foot on of the Green Elevator, which is a huge landmark, and worked their way down to the pier at Old Shaw Peter Shipyard. Who? Parker said they went straight to Shaw Peter Pier. Af- Shaw Peter Pier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, arriving about 6 p.m. The entry road to the shipyard was rough going with high grass, so they parked about 100, 100 yards from the water and pushed their way. They both said they had no way of, like, keeping up at the time, so that, I don't know. Cell phones were big back then, but... When was this? 1973. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Was that like the Jurassic Park age? Yeah. <laughs> they are those big ass... Yeah. I don't even think it was then. I think that was the 90s. Really? Yeah. Fun. Anyways. <laughs> but between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m., Parker was fed up with fishing there and wanted to leave. They were... Come on, Parker. Get it together, Parker. They were between the U.S. 90 Bridge and the CSX Railroad Bridge when it happened. What happened? Both bridges had bridge tenders like chicken tenders. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> 
No. I just thought of genders. <laughs> Both bridges had bridge genders that did not corroborate the story. Both bridges had chicken tenders. Parker said he turned around, saw hazy blue lights, and thought police were looking after his car. Oh, the popo. It turned out to be a large oval-shaped craft about eight feet tall. Parker said floating two feet off the ground. Fuck that. Fuck no, baby. <laughs> That's pretty good. That was pretty good. I'd be jumping in the water. Hold on. White claw break. When the door slid open of the UFO quote marks, quotation marks, the light was blinding like a welding arc. And the Greek... The three gray creatures. <laughs> the three gray creatures with wrinkled skin were on them in an instant. Also floating two feet off the ground. So I guess. So the alien. Yeah. Floating two. Yeah. What the freaking? What if he saw? Like, could you even imagine? <laughs> like, would you shit your pants? Yeah, I'd be like, what the fuck is happening? You'd freak out. I know. Two of the aliens grabbed Charlie, and one of them got a hold of Parker's left arm. Both said they were paralyzed except for their eyes were, and were floating into the open door. Inside was bright with no real fixtures. Both described being given a thorough going over, which, I mean, like, like an inspection kind of thing. Okay. With an electronic type eye and being told through telepathy not to be afraid. I've heard that people have had those experiences. So, like, <clears throat> they're around you, but they're not saying anything. Yeah, and it's just it's just bright like all around. Yeah, I've heard. I was on like TikTok one day, and I heard a lot of people had those experiences when they were younger. <gasps> Charlie described the feeling of helplessness, like he couldn't do anything. Ew. Um, this is what he said. He said these things held me while the eye scanned my whole body. Ew. Yeah. The beings moved him so they could check him in different positions. Parker reported a smaller fourth being with eyes. With big eyes that looked more human-like. Yeah. Hybrid. (laughs) And that he speculated had communicated with him. They were returned to the riverbank. Hickson was on the ground and unconscious. No, he was conscious. Sorry. Um, Parker was standing and unable to put his arms down. Charlie thought he might be in shock. Uh, Charlie said the craft just went straight up and disappeared out of sight. Heck, I'd be like, at least pay me for that experience. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta buy me dinner first. <laughs> the past, 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 this is so hard to say. The Pascagola, Pascagola, Pascagola newspaper picked it up the next day from the morning sheriff's report and published it by mid-morning and the Associated Press sent it out nationally. Wait, so how did they already know about it? They like they, they like immediately went and told people. My my story is kind of like all over the place. It'll talk about everything. Anyways, calls were already coming into the sheriff's office from the media, so there was a belief that the incident was leaked. <laughs> the men were interviewed and scrutinized by UFO investigators within two days of reporting their story. Um, imagine being freaking Scully. Do you know what that is? Do you no. know who that is? No. You watch X Files. No. Who's Scully? She investigates like uh, alien and paranormal shit. Oh, <laughs> like that's exact. Like she's that. Like would be one of those detectives. Like you talking shit. Yeah, I'm gonna investigate you. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were actually checked for radiation, and because obviously when you go into space, there's radiation. Okay. Um, but they tested negative, and there's no traces. So they they think they're lying about it. I guess, but I mean, anyways. So Charlie was the one who was really excited and in shock from this whole alien experience. So <laughs> he wanted to share it to the world. And it was known that he shared his stories every Sunday at church. So he was like proud of this moment. <laughs> I would be so not proud of this moment. I know. Literally like I raped and whatever else by these freaking aliens. Yeah. Charcy, Charlie also ended up writing a book and was going on talk shows to share more to the world. Meanwhile, Parker was terrified of the experience that they had by the bridge so much that he never wanted to talk about it. And he left town and went, went home to work in the oil fields with his new wife. Yeah. At least he got a wife. Yeah. <laughs> he said every now and then that someone would recognize him and he'd leave the job. 
so sad. I know. That sucks. Yeah. Parker wanted to earn a good living and and live a normal life. He said he had money in his pocket when it came to the coast when it when he came to the coast to work and did well after. Though Charlie tried for years to make a living off the incident, uh Parker who is now 64 says there were times when he paid Charlie's electric electricity bill. Wait. So Charlie was like trying to make a living off of it and he was broke and so like Parker like helped him out. Come on, Charles. I was rooting for you. <laughs> the two men had tried the newspaper and say they called Keesler Air Force Base in Biloxi before trying the sheriff's office. Please. They called the, the newspaper people and everyone before they reported it. I don't know. Because they wanted to get famous. <laughs> Originally, Parker asked Charlie to keep it quiet. He said, I felt this case was personal and no one needed to know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Would you have told anybody? Yeah. <laughs> but Charlie was determined to talk about it, so obviously he did. They agreed that they would tell the officials that Parker passed out and didn't remember anything, leaving Charlie clear to tell the story without contradiction. So he didn't want to be a part of it at all. More recently, Parker said that he let that lie stand because he wasn't sure that what would happen or who it was, so he didn't want to go back home to say people to people, I took a ride on a spaceship. Um, besides, he said that he was going to be married in November, so he didn't really care. I would have told people that's me, though. Like I got abducted by aliens. I don't know. These days, in 2021, I'm sure people would believe you. Yeah. Because of all the UFO things UFO. coming out. Yeah, yeah. Um, when they went and told the police about their alien experience, Charlie was the one who was talking frantically about it, and Parker just didn't seem present. Um, when they were interviewed in separate rooms, they actually saw that Parker was freaked out and scared, so the police knew that something bad actually happened. <laughs> in the background, um, deputies could hear Parker begging Charlie, don't talk to them, Charlie. Those people will come back and get us. They don't want us to talk. Yep. No, he doesn't want the aliens to come back and get us. Oh. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. He was, like, completely terrified of the whole experience. Too. Um... Now that he looks back at it, he says he believes he was drugged by a mechanical creature. Yep. <laughs> he describes something like the effects of a date rape drug that left him unable to move, which is really weird. Scary. Like, just happens to you randomly out of nowhere. Yeah. Um. There is a puncture wound left in his left arm where the where something grasped onto him. He remembers the sound that went straight that went when with the injection. Isn't that disgusting? Sound. Yeah. <laughs> Parker was terrified he had been infected by alien beings or was radioactive and could harm people around him. Well, he didn't clearly have anything radioactive because they tested it. Yeah. So he was annoyed and astonished and angry and worn out and felt the incident was, wasn't thoroughly investigated with attention to detail. Who thought that? <clears throat> Parker. But he didn't want to tell anybody about it. I know, but... Parker, make up your mind! <laughs> and when... Parker was through with the interviews and interrogations that happened within the days of the incident. He threw away the clothes and shoes he was wearing when it happened, which is kind of sketch. He was wearing the same clothes as when it happened? Yeah. <laughs> when he's like 65 years old? No, this is when he was 18. I know, but say that sentence again. So when he, they told the police he was still in like the same clothes because they were at, oh. like, yeah. <laughs> I missed the part where they told them. Yeah. Um, flip out. Be like, what the heck are you doing? But he bathed uh, in bleach water before returning home to Jones County. Um, what? Yeah. Did the police make him do that? No, he just wanted to get rid of all the freaking evidence or something, I guess. He bathed in bleach water? Yeah. Where? Freaking Pasagula. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, less That's weird. Parker's, they're both weird. Something <laughs> Honestly, less than three weeks later, they ordered a polygraph test on them, and the agent administering the test signed a statement that said, It is my opinion that Charles Hickson told the truth about the following things. He believes he saw a spaceship, he believes he was taken into space, into a spaceship, and he believes he saw three space creatures. You know what, what could have happened, though? What? Is they went into the spaceship. Yeah. But they probably didn't go into space. Why? Meaning, like, the spaceship could have stayed on Earth. 
Yeah. Could have disappeared. They done their little shit, whatever they wanted to do. So that's why they didn't have anything radioactive on them. True, true, true. Just saying. Um, it also stated that they were brought in, examined against their wheel, their wheel, <laughs> examined against their will, and moved around so an electronic eye could check them out. Again? No, this is like in the polygraph statement. I know, but they gotta go through that again. Yeah. Like this little eyes looking so, at me. So the people could believe them. Yeah. Uh, they each had a small puncture wound on one arm, and they were pioneers in UFO abduction. So they believed them. No, they're doing a polygraph test to see if they believe them. <laughs> Do you know what a polygraph test is? Yes, I know. Okay. Okay. I didn't know we were still on that. I, you interrupted me while I was stating what she was agreeing to. Oh, sorry. People like to play pranks during this time, which <laughs> I would play pranks during this time. Um, men wrapped in aluminum foil controlled the beaches. <laughs> Someone watched. <laughs> they also did something like launching shiny balloons in downtown. <laughs> the aliens are probably just like looking and laughing. Yeah. <laughs> did it happen or did it not um. other people in town saw weird things at the time and captain Ryder said there were three sightings of an unexplained flash of light reported in the night that it happened but he did not include those in the official police report why you bitch you bitch you bitch okay so like that's like really significant Mm-hmm. Why would they do that? That's sketch balls. Sketch balls. Maybe he was asked by the government to cover it up. Probably. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? As the freaking SWAT team can <laughs> see. Are you looking up all this murder shit? Are you looking up all this alien shit? He said that the police report was really simple. Um, he interviewed Charlie and Parker. I mean, what do you say? I'll, just that you, you interview these crazy people, I guess. And they checked the site and found nothing. Um, to this day, we don't really know what happened to Charlie and Parker. Was actually an alien abduction, but we think we do. But other people believe them, and other people have stated seeing crazy things by that river, such as flaming, ob- such as a flaming object flying over the river and disappearing in three to four seconds. So how do you not believe it if there's m- multiple other witnesses? There's, like, a lot of other witnesses at that. So, like, in any other crime. Yeah. They would believe it. Yeah. So, when it comes to aliens, everyone's like, <laughs> I guess. Is that how it happens? Okay. Jordan's gonna tell her story. Now we're back to the two stories. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Great story. Thank you. Thank you. you I wanted to. Yeah. But. I don't but... know. There's. Have you seen all the UFO pictures? Yeah, that's crazy. Cray cray. They're going cray cray. I heard they're going to release a lot of information. They're supposed to re- re- They've already released a lot, but they're still, like, I'm sure they're, like, I thought, uh, dropping little, little drops out, throwing the whole bucket up at us, you know? I thought our last president was, like, doing something to where they release everything. I think he was, <clears throat> but, like, it just got delayed because COVID. You don't know, do you? I don't know. <laughs> That's what I sense. saw on the news. I okay. might be wrong. Hold on, pause. Okay, well, thank you for your story. I guess I'll go to mine. <laughs> wow, you bitch. You freaking barely commented on my fucking story. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, look at this thing. I caught Ty. We were on FaceTime, and I did a FaceTime picture, and he was commenting. <laughs> oh, my God. Isn't that hilarious? Well... My story is about the murder of Christine Lewis Johnson. Have you heard of it? No. So, Christy Johnson was born in... Are you going to call her story? Oh my god. Everyone should download Happy Color. <laughs> Sponsor us, please. You can't do that while I tell my story. So, god, I'm freaking sweating in here. <laughs> Guys, it's like a thousand degrees outside here in texas and we're dying it's like like spongebob when he needs water water (laughs) 
Christy was born in Saugatuck, Michigan, southwest of Grand Rapids, to her mother, Teresa Wark, and her father, Chris, er, Chris Johnson. So her mother had remarried to Jeff Wark, and her father remarried to Pam Johnson. Um, she was freaking beautiful. She had blonde hair, blue eyes, and looked pretty much like a model. Like me? Yeah. <laughs> wow. With no confidence. <laughs> so... She had a dream of becoming an actress. She attended Western Michigan University after graduating high school, um, but it just wasn't cutting it for her, so she, like, didn't like being in the cold, pretty much. She wanted to be on the beach. Um, As we do. As we all do. I want to move to fucking Hawaii. Yes. So, one of Christie's paternal grandparents lived near a beach in Santa Maria, California. And she decided to go live out there close to the beach so she could tan and love California. California. You know, you know. You know, you know. Around the age of 19, and while living with her grandmother, she attended Santa Maria Community College and met someone who worked on a movie set. Cool. Yep. She ended up landing a job in 2001 and worked on the movie set Murder by Numbers. What does that mean? It's just a movie. Oh. Eerie. <clears throat> because. Murder. 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 Yeah. After falling in love with the thought of being an actress more than she already had, she moved up to mm-hmm. Hollywood on her own and attended a makeup design school in Burbank. Um, she would pick up odd jobs working for Warner Brothers, but um, unfortunately, like, she couldn't make the rent. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> She started another job with a cell phone company in 2002 to make ends meet, but that just wasn't cutting it for her either. She decided that she couldn't do this on her own and moved that December into an apartment with two other roommates that she didn't even know. She was just like, hey, move in. Ew, I did that. Don't ever do it again. Horrible. 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 Just live on your own. On February 15th, 2003, Christy's... Called her mother, as she always did, daily to talk and discuss how California was going. Um, Terry, her mother, said that she should go to the mall and find something cute for Valentine's Day. Oh, cute. Yeah. Get yourself something a little nice. Nice. Christy says okay and decides to head to her local mall in her area, Century City. That following Monday, she hadn't showed up for work. Her mother had been calling her cell phone and had not received an answer or call back. She ended up calling her work number and did not get Christy there either. That's not a good sign. Would you freak out if, like, um, would you freak out if I didn't call back for, like, a couple days? And um, you, like, talked to Dad and he had heard from you. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. What if you, like, called Clayton and he didn't respond? Or he did respond? Then I'd just be like, she's sleeping. Unless For two or three days? No, maybe your phone died and you've lost it. But if if Clayton was like, oh, she's fine. You don't need to call here anymore. Then I'd be like, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Got a bobo. <laughs> Gone away. <laughs> um, this is when her mother became concerned and actually contacted the local police. Um, oh, we love a caring mother. Yeah. Kirk, her father, had become concerned as well when he realized that she was missing. Like, obviously. Mm-hmm. I would be freaked out, too. So Kirk ended up flying out to California to speak with the detectives on the case, desperately trying to find, like, what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the detective on this case was named Virginia Obenchain. Obenchain? Obenchain. Is her chain open? Obenchain. <laughs> Kirk met with Obenchain and brought up the suspicion of Christie's ex-boyfriend. Interesting. Yeah. Sketch. Christy had had a domestic violence incident with her ex-boyfriend, and that brought up some red flags to the detectives. Um, the police brought in the ex-boyfriend, and was he was immediately ruled out as he had multiple alibis for the time she'd gone missing. Ew. So that's good. Ew. Oh, I must have heard that wrong. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. You're not even listening. Yeah, I am. I have dyslexia. <laughs> I have ear dyslexia. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I don't. It was also said that he was very sorry for the domestic violence incident and would provide any help in finding Christy. Good. 
Investigators decided to obtain cell phone records and credit cards recordings, credit card recordings to attempt to find a lead. And they found out that Christie had been to the Central or Century City Mall and purchased. You got it. I got it. They find out that Christie had been to the Century City Mall and purchased multiple items, and her cell phone had pinged in the Mount Olympus Hollywood. Hollywood Hills area. With all this information, they were able to create a rough timeline of her whereabouts just that day. So the detectives then go to the roommate's apartment to ask some questions as the roommate was the last to see Christy. The roommate then tells Detective <laughs> Obenshin that when Christy got home from the mall, she was super excited about a potential interview Ooh. with a big movie and wanted to show the roommate what she got from the mall. Ooh, for Valentine's? For what? <laughs> I'm curious. She told the roommate a man had come up to her saying that he was a producer for the new James Bond movie. No. <laughs> See where this is going. It <laughs> would be great for like. Oh my gosh. They had also searched through the room to see if Christy had packed something for a trip or left some things like suspicious things behind. Yeah. Um. The detective finds a receipt for shoes from the Century Mall that Christy had said, like, she had gone and got. That's like those people in the mall that, that tell you that you're going to be, like, a model. Yeah. That's <laughs> Someone came up to you and said, yeah. <laughs> like, bitch, I already know. Fuck off. Yeah. And then, um, Detective Openchain picked up a hairbrush just in case worse comes. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, honestly, though, the detective didn't think anything was wrong at the moment and thought Christy had just gone, like, on a vacation or something. Mm-hmm. But without telling anyone? Yeah, that's the thing. Like That's sketchy. Yeah. The roommate then tells the detective that Christy had come home with clothes for an interview as the producer requested her to wear a certain outfit to that interview. Yeah. And she <clears throat> listened to what she was like, wear. it's kind of creepy. She was required to wear a white blouse, like men, like the collared shirts. Yeah. The white collared shirts, a black mini skirt. Weird. Is she a waiter? Stiletto shoes and like granny tights. That's weird. It's creepy. Is she going to be like a waiter? Waitress? Right? <clears throat> and the detective told, um, or the roommate told the detective that she left around five o'clock that evening. Um, as the detective heard that story, her reaction kind of changed, and she was like, yeah, there's really not anything good yeah. going on here. We mm-hmm. need to figure out what the fuck's going on. So she started calling airlines, hotels, um, et cetera, et cetera, to see if there's any activity on our passport, and got honestly nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Santa Monica PD tried another approach and decided they needed to go to the media for help, pretty much. Yeah, obviously. That would be the smartest reason. Yeah. She was last seen leaving her residence, like I said, around 5 o'clock. They had also put out flyers and missing posters in the mail just for luck to receive any help. And they finally got a lead. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the following morning, February 20th, five days after Christy went missing... Susan Murphy read the story in the LA Times. In their interview, Murphy says something about, so I watched a video. Yeah. This is where I got all my information. Mm-hmm. And I'll link it in the notes or whatever. Okay. Um, in this interview, Susan Murphy says something about her picture and something about the article. I knew immediately my heart just sank that something was wrong. Oh, gosh. <clears throat> Susan believes that she may have been approached by the same man oh, no. three and a half weeks earlier. She dials the police and immediately talks to Detective Openchain. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So Murphy tells the same exact story to the detectives about her being approached by a producer saying she looked perfect for a part he was interviewing viewing for mm-hmm. he said that he was the head of photography on the new james bond movie and said that she would look perfect for the part Ew. gives me chills just like thinking like a man just like eye raping you and be like you look great for the part like the aliens yeah wait till to like see what he looks like too Ew, you're gonna show me what he looks like 
Um, you're gonna have to look at mm. because he's gross. <clears throat> so he asked her to wear the same exact clothes that Christy was asked to wear in her audition. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that she had gotten the clothes and was ready to go to this interview, but was kind of like weirded out about it. Um, so she brought her boyfriend with her and wore normal clothes to meet the guy. Weird. Yeah. So she met. She went and met the guy and. Yeah. When she when she approached him, he got very upset as she wasn't wearing the correct clothing he requested her to wear. And when he saw her like boyfriend in the car, he freaked out and like ran away. Oh like my gosh. red flags, one hundred percent. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> so, um, the detectives had asked Susan Murphy to come in, and they created a sketch of the man that that had requested the interview from her. She was able to remember literally everything about him. His narrow eyes, long nose, and grossly thin mouth. Ew. Yeah. I want to see what he looks like right now. Look him up. What's his Wait, name? let me get to his name first. Oh my gosh, okay. So the detectives, um, or apologize, the police department now has a sketch of the man and put his, put this out to the media for help to, like, identify him. Mm-hmm. Um, on February 24th, Detective Openchain gets a call from... The hotel across the street from the shopping mall. Oh my gosh. Saying that they found an abandoned car that possibly belongs to Christy. No. Sure enough, it was Christy's car. Did she die? It said a murder of Christy Johnson. Anyways. I just didn't want her to die. I know, it's sad. So, in the car... They found Christy's cell phone in the floorboard, and when they talked to the valet, the valet man said a guy just threw keys at him and told him to park it wherever and walked off. Like, how, I, if I was a valet person, I'd be like, yo, this is fucking weird. Yeah. You the think... Follow- What'd you say? Nothing. What just keep going. going what were you going to say? You think he rich, rich. Yeah. <laughs> the following morning, the detective receives a call from a, a parole agent saying that the sketch out in the media looks identical to a parolee at her location. Hmm. So he... He been around. He been around. The detective takes a lineup including um, the parolee's photo to Susan, and Susan identifies him, like, immediately. Oh my gosh. This is where we meet Victor Paleologus. Looking you up right now. Victor Paleologus is a gross motherfucker. He... Paley. Paleologus. Ew. 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 Narrow eyes, long nose, thin mouth. He looks like... A gym teacher. (laughs) (laughs) No, he looks like freaking a sloth. Yeah, I could see that too. Ew. So, Victor Paleologus was born July 16, 1962, and he is known to be a sexual predator. Ew. He had owned an Italian restaurant on, uh, I'm now, I'm gonna botch the shit out of this, so. It's okay. Uh, La Ginega Boulevard, but was unable to keep it open because it's fucking Victor. <laughs> so, Victor had a major rap sheet and was divorced at the time of his arrest. So his first known offense took place in 1989 oh. when he told Christine Kluggian, sorry if I said that wrong, that he was a music executive at Columbia Records and that he would make her pretty much fucking famous. <laughs> he told her that um, he had a party where a lot of high-end stars were going to be and that she should like come and meet everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, once she got to the hotel room, he tried to tie her to the bed with ropes and, like, raped her, pretty much. Or Ew. attempted to rape her. He didn't rape her. Um, she fought him off, and she was able to run down the, the hotel hallways to get out of there. Yeah. So he made a plea bargain and received only three fucking years probation. Are you serious? Probation. Yeah. That's stupid. For false imprisonment by violence. So, um, this seems kind of like what Victor wanted in his victims. He wanted to make them think they were going to be in an audition and a star mm-hmm. and tricking them to, like... I feel like everyone hears that in California. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a Hollywood fucking thing to do. Ew. You sick people. 
1991, she made um, an aspiring actress named Elizabeth Buzzini. Um, some sources say her name's Elizabeth Davis. Um, she was posing as a Disney, pro- or he was posing as a Disney producer. He started talking about a Bond movie. They're all James Bond movies. <laughs> like, every single time. Oh, my God. And um, he put, like, white powder into her drink. <gasps> no, like a date rape drug? Yeah. She noticed um, what he did, actually, and called the police immediately and got away and, and no help. Like, no charges. Um, he, in 1995, he broke into the home of a woman he had once dated and held her against her, her will. What's so this is, like, problem? fucking, like, <laughs> crazy shit he's done. Uh, he made a plea bargain and received only five years probation for pleading guilty to burglary. Just burglary. He, like, was holding her against her will and shit. Like, what the fuck? Oh my god, no one cares. In the late 1990s, he perfected his Bond movie producer ruse and used it to lure most of his victims. Mm. So, um, so he lures another victim, um, to his restaurant that he had, but it was, like, abandoned because it, like, shut down and shit Mm -hmm. um this this victim i couldn't find her name when it was so (laughs) i'm just gonna say victim so um he told her that he had to rehearse for the audition before meeting the cast director so she goes there um to like the restaurant and it's just like a, a random kitchen with nothing in it what like i'd be like yo like some Dexter type shit. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> no, um, thank you. There's a single chair in the middle of an empty restaurant and nobody's inside. He requested her to sit on the floor to pr- practice like poses because he was going to take photos of her. Yeah. Um. He asked her to cross her legs and that's when he tied her uh, legs together with a lot- nylon strap. Ew. She started freaking out, and he takes his tie off and ties it around her left hand to, like, try to put them together. Yeah. With her right hand, she was hitting him and scratching him and trying to get away. She managed to fight him off and get, um, get, like, free or whatever and tries to run. hmm Dude, listen to this fucking shit. It's creepy <laughs> as hell. Um, unfortunately, Victor is blocking the door and says to her, I just had to have you, and you're never going to get out of here. Ew. I'd be like, my heart would drop. Yeah. I'd be like, no. <laughs> like, uh, Go big. Like, like crazy. Football charge him. <laughs> she fought him off, actually, and was able to get away. She runs out the door barefoot to her car and drives off. He was arrested and charged for just attempted rape. What? He was able to get out of this shit. With um, only five years in prison and only served three and a half. Why? Like, how do these people get <laughs> fucking, like... Makes so, me angry. So now we're going to go back to Christy. Um, it was two weeks into the vest- investigation and the detectives finally had a suspect in their hands. While reading his rap sheet, she finds these attacks that I just talked about and realizes with no question that Victor's, like, 100% at fault for Yeah. Her disappearance. Obviously. Yeah. She finds an is- interesting thing that happened actually two days after Christy went missing. February 17th, 2003, two days after Christy disappeared, Victor attempts to steal a BMW from a dealership. Like, come on, Victor. Victor is not victorious. Victorious. <laughs> He's stupid. This turns out to be the same day that Christy's mom filed a missing person's report. So there is a car chase, just like fucking Joel, Mm -hmm. when Victor attempted to get pulled over and eventually ended, and he was arrested and booked in the county jail. Yay. So thankfully, Victor was sitting in the county jail for the past 11 days while they were looking for this motherfucker. Are you serious? He's already in jail. Oh my god. They go get Victor from the LA County Jail, and they bring him down to the courthouse where they start to interrogate him, and they end up interrogating him for like seven hours. (laughs) So, time being on the essence, the detectives were doing everything they could to get Victor to talk, but Victor honestly wanted, like, nothing to to do with it and didn't want to talk about Christy at all. Yeah. Like, he would talk about anything else but Christy. When they mentioned the other woman, woman accusing him of coming, like, 
up to them for like movie roles, he would just say that they were lying to him. Mm. So Detective Obenchain was 100% thinking that Victor was a psychopath at this point. Yeah. And was having pleasure not telling them where Christy was. So he was just like getting off on this shit. Yeah. At this time, police officers go to Christy's mom and tell her that they possibly have a suspect in custody. And they tell, like, her mom this. Yeah. They're unfortunate that, unfortunately not hopeful that Christy is even alive anymore. (gasps) They tell the parents that. Why? Like, fuck you guys. Fuck off. Bitches. Yeah. They booked Victor for murder and bring Susan Murphy back in for a live lineup. Um, As they bring him out. Like, she immediately, like, it's like, yo, that's him. Yeah, obviously. So, it had been very rainy in L.A. for the next couple of days, and when it was finally up for, like, let up, some teenagers decided to go for a hike on Skyline Drive. Mm -hmm. One of them looks down a hill and sees a sleeping bag at the bottom of the hill. Oh, no. Oh, no. I don't like it. Don't like it. I don't like it at all. No, no. One of his friends decides to come and look and says, oh, weird, it's a mannequin at the bottom of the hill or something. A mannequin? What? Why? One of the four teenagers climbs down and he gets to the sleeping bag and realizes it's it's obviously not a mannequin, you dumb-dumb. You dumb shit. Yeah, the four boys run away and call the police immediately. While Detective Obenchain was at the lineup with uh, with Susan Murphy... Um, she gets a call that they found the body, or a body. Oh, no. Possibly to be Christie's. When Obenchain arrives at the location of the body in Hollywood Hills, she notices the body at the bottom of the hill, and when she walks up to it, she sees the hibiscus tattoo that Christie's mother said she got on the small of her back in Florida one summer. <gasps> no. Yeah. I hate you, Victor. Yeah. Victor sucks. The detective was devastated as she was honestly hoping to find Christy alive. The coroner was able to properly ID uh, the body um, via dental records. Mm -hmm. She was completely decomposed from the neck up only. (gasps) Why? Um, The rest of her body had been preserved from the sleeping bag that was around her. Sad as fuck. Yeah. They had thought that the sleeping bag around her body had held in moisture preserving the torso and the legs, mm-hmm. but the rain from the past few days had gotten to her face and neck. No. Yeah. Sad. So once they find the body, the detective starts building a case against Victor or, and are able to gather enough evidence to create a, like, a rough timeline of what happened to her, basically. Yeah. Um, Per the... The great video that I watched, Detective Obenchain was able to speak with the realtor that worked with Victor before Christie's death and happened to show Victor, like, multiple vacant, empty homes, like, in the area. Yeah. Um, the realtor advised that when Victor was looking at a certain home, he closed one of the doors and asked the realtor if they could hear him screaming from the inside. What the hell? Right? <laughs> that should be, like, a red flag. Yeah. Christie's body was found a quarter mile from that house. Oh, my gosh. On February 15th, around 5 o'clock, Christie Johnson leaves for Laurel Canyon. So this is kind of like the timeline of what happened. Yeah. She approaches Skyline Drive, a curvy road where most of the Hollywood actors and directors lived, hoping to score a part in the James Bond movie. Side note is that this house looked like a medieval house, like the one he lived in. That's creepy. Yeah. Obenchain believes that Victor lured Christy up to his house and t- attempts to rape her. There is a struggle, and he ends up strangling her, strangi- strangling her to death, and then throws her body over a nearby cliff. Oh my god! Yeah. She also has a perimortem head wound from when she fell down the hill, so they suggest that she still probably was alive when he threw her off. So she just like suffered. Yeah, that's horrible. Due to the rain, most of the forensic evidence had been washed away. Obviously. So as the investigation continued, the other women, paleologists, had tried to lure, lure, lure in to, like, those situations had come forward. Yeah. So they just, like, obviously needed his, like, confession. Yeah. 
So May 2003, he had actually been charged with Christy Johnson's murder and was booked. Good. So he was in jail for a long ass time until the trial started. Yeah. July 2006, the trial had begun even though there was no forensic evidence that implicated him in this crime. Mm-hmm. There was, however, uh, circumstantial evidence as well as the testimonies of the past attempted victims, kind of illustrating a pattern of his crimes, which Johnson also fit. The prosecutor had been relying on one evidence code that states that they can use modus operandi. Operandi. What is that? So, meaning that the defendant has a particular pattern they use in all of their crimes that they commit. Uh, So, even if, like, there's no evidence against you, if you've done the same thing over, 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 over. Yeah. So many people. Yeah. Yeah. So, less than two weeks into the trial, as the stories piled up against him and all the prosecution needed to do was get the jury to believe he committed the crimes he did. And again, remember, there's no hard evidence against him at all. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so Victor had been flat out denying committing any of these crimes. And fortunately, the prosecution had all the women he had approached, assaulted, assaulted, and et cetera, et cetera, helping him, helping his conviction. Um, they all had the same story and the same outfit. Ew, that's gross. Ew. On July 26, 13 days into the trial, Victor made a plea bargain and confessed to Johnson's murder in exchange for avoiding the death penalty, but also turning his uh, rights down to appeal. So, like, he pleaded guilty. Good. But on the day of sentencing, Paleologus sent a handwritten 11 page letter to the judge asserting his innocence and requesting to withdraw his plea. What? Yeah, so he was just, like, fucking around, like, just another way to have people suffer more. Yeah. Like, so, like, say he's about to, like, be sentenced. Mm -hmm. The mom and, like, the dad were there, too, and they said, like, they're they're sad shit. Yeah. They would have had to go through a whole other trial. Like, they would have had to stop this trial and then restart a whole new trial with all those people to be, like... Oh, my God. So, like... Yeah, so they already heard their stories, but, like, they would have had to go, to go through it again, and the defense attorney would probably be, like, um, like, cross-examining them a different way. Yeah. So, the judge actually denied his request and advised that his actions were clearly premeditated. Hi, Casey! <laughs> so, um, the judge denied his request and advised that the actions, his actions were clearly premeditated, and he was sentenced 25 to light in state. 25 to life in state penitentiary. Not death. Bye, Victor! No, he wasn't given uh, the death penalty because he pleaded guilty. Bye, Victor! Bye, Victor! I hate you. I hate you. So I'm going to uh, say kind of his known victims. Um, in 1989, Christine Cludgiani. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry if I said that wrong because that's not her name. It's okay. That was um, attempted rape. Um, 1991, Elizabeth Buzini attempted to drug. Heather Maher, Maher in August 29th, 1998, he attempted to rape her. Um, in 1991, Kathy DiBuono, 29, lured and presumably attempted to attack. In 2003, he started to escalate, and that was uh, January 24th was Susan Murphy, and then February 15th, Christy Johnson. So sad. So fucking sad. I hate you, Victor. Victor needs to go straight to hell. That's where he needs to go. <laughs> you know what Victor needs? To the what? <laughs> Victor needs to be strapped down and have water dropping from his face like waterboarding no (laughs) no there's like a ancient chinese torture water torture or something like that oh where like you know how the faucet will like drip like yeah but like you basically like lay someone down and like it lands on their forehead it's like 
Yeah. Dude, it's fucking annoying. That's all that does? Yeah, but imagine doing that for, like, 12 days or, like, I'd be like a year. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's raining. Well, that's my fucking sad-ass story. Very sad. Um, On a good note, we got flyers. I'm yes. so excited. If you want a flyer, we'll know you. <gasps> yeah. Even though we have, like, no followers, but yeah. we love yeah. you anyways. Yes, please. I'll I'll shoot you a flyer. We'll shoot you a flyer and maybe something special, too. Like, Ooh, maybe, we'll like, a, a little wardrobe thing. Put in your wardrobe. Sneak a peek. <laughs> we really want to come out with like merch soon, but yeah, we want to know if y'all would want. Some. We want more um spooky bitches before we do that. We need more followers. Spooky bitches. So thank you everybody for following. Like we've got a lot of followers. Yeah, loved it. Makes us happy. We enjoy being happy. Anyways, thank you for listening, guys. Uh, please come back for the next episode. We hope to have them out a little bit faster than we have. We're releasing three this week, actually. Yeah. To make up for everything. Yeah. You'll be seeing three, including this. It'll be three, and then do we want to start recording two episodes a week? We need to. We might be doing that. So. Oh please don't hold us up too. We're kind of bad with everything so but we want to get more out for y'all so let us know if y'all enjoy it and want more episodes because that's kind of what we're here for is we're here for you please dm us and give us um suggestions and your comments and and please go rate us on apple podcast because we love you we don't know how you feel back we hope you love us yes as much as we love you you can follow us on Instagram at Sinister Diaries with no space. And you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sinister Diaries. And uh, we have our website at SinisterDiaries.com. And go listen to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can look it up at Sinister Diaries with the space in between now because I fixed it. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> Jordan's not very good with her punctuation, so... <laughs> Anyways, we love you and peace out. Peace out and um, I'm trying to think of like an alien thing. (laughs) Don't get abducted. Peace. Peace. (laughs) Okay, bye.